The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Greetings all. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit for this Wednesday. Glad to have you with me today. And what a difference a day makes. It was 80-something degrees yesterday. We're a full 20 degrees less today. It is October. It's starting to feel like it out there, which I certainly appreciate. Coming up on today's program, we're going to further the discussion on so-called short-term rentals in the city of Detroit. Many of you know them as Airbnbs. There's a proposed ordinance on the table in the city of Detroit right now that would put some pretty severe restrictions on operators of Airbnbs. Well, we're going to get the point of view from Airbnb itself today. They have dealt with regulations in a number of cities across the country. What has worked? What hasn't? What approach are they taking to these new regulations in Detroit? We will find out directly from the horse's mouth on the program today. Stick around here on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Hey, Craig here. I really do appreciate you checking out the show on this Wednesday. Uh, You may recall last week we had an interview with an Airbnb operator here in the city of Detroit, my friend Suzanne Scoville, talking about what Detroit's proposed ordinance might do to her business. Some of the things that they're talking about putting into this new ordinance would be a limit on the number of Airbnbs in a certain neighborhood, a thousand foot radius between Airbnbs. Also, if you do not live on the property, you would not be able to operate it. So those who own places that they use for Airbnbs would be forced to close some of those under these proposed ordinances. In addition, there would be a limit on the number of days per year that somebody would be able to use their residence as an Airbnb. They're talking about a 90-day limit at this time. So a cap on the number of days in which you could house guests at your Airbnb or your short-term rental. Well, we figured we'd find out what's going on around the rest of the country as well. A number of cities have put ordinances about short-term rentals on the books, places like Washington, Chicago, New York, etc. Detroit, just the latest in a long line. Airbnb has been dealing with them all. And so we thought we'd get an idea of what best practices have worked in other cities and what Airbnb is willing to deal with as Detroit debates this new ordinance. My guest right now is Kelly Gossett. She's the regional policy director for Airbnb. She joins us from Chicago today. Kelly, welcome to to the Craig Folly Show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, this is something that has been getting a lot of tension here in the city of Detroit. Uh, Airbnb and short-term rentals have been a relatively sort of new industry here in the city of Detroit. And, and just to get this started before we get into some of the proposed regulations and and uh, and the ordinance that is being debated right now, I mean, what do we know about the impact uh, that Airbnb in particular is having in the city of Detroit right now from an economic standpoint? Oh, well, we're very happy and proud of our impact in Detroit. It's a great city. We've been doing great work there. We've seen at least this summer alone that many of our Detroit area hosts earned, I think, over four and a half million 
dollars while welcoming well over 30,000 guests. So that's just this summer alone that folks from all over are able to travel to Detroit and see the great city. So we're really excited about just that recent metric and hope that that kind of volume continues. Well, I mean, Detroit is not the first city to to sort of try to figure out uh, the best way to regulate uh, this burgeoning industry, short-term rentals. Uh, I know Washington, D.C. is uh, still debating some of these things right now. Boston, San Francisco, Chicago, New York. Uh, this is not new, and it's not new for Airbnb. Uh, every city seems to have a different approach to this. How does Airbnb approach these different municipalities when trying to sort this out and, and make this system work a little better? So, it's so true. It's a little bit of a patchwork quilt, right? Where different cities have different approaches to this industry. It, and in a way, though, too, I do want to say it, it's been around for a while, but also hasn't. If you think back, I mean, this is a very swiftly moving industry. A lot of tech is, and a lot of cities are grappling with the pace of technology. So I completely appreciate that it could be different depending on different jurisdictions and just celebrating cities, what works best for each city and each uh, jurisdiction. So for us, I mean, we really want to make sure that the industry can grow and works best for the cities that we're celebrating. And that can kind of vary depending on the market, certainly, but the core tenants remain. We want to have safeguards in place regarding obviously our insurance policy, having a, a simple, clean registration process for hosts so they're able to access the platform easily uh, and as well for our guests so that they're able to understand where to go, how to go, what kind of unit that they're going to be able to access and have it be a safe, reliable uh, travel experience. I, I want to remind folks, my guest right now is Kelly Gossett. She's the regional policy director for Airbnb and uh, one of the people that uh, I, I'm not sure and we'll ask this question right now that <laughs> is hopefully negotiating with the city or talking to the city of Detroit about these proposed regulations on Airbnbs. Uh, have you had any conversations yet uh, with the city? We have, actually. Our team has been uh, in conversations with the city certainly for the last uh, few months to, to be actual, uh, we really wanted to make sure that our approach is collaborative, understand what the city's trying to achieve, see if we can offer our feedback on the ordinance and on the language to use some of the learnings we have from different markets to say that this is what works best in certain places. This is what we've seen works. This is how we can help you achieve your goals. We really want to have that open dialogue. Uh, this is really about what's best for the folks in Detroit. I know that often it can be seen that this is what's best for the industry, what's best for the business and having to be business against constituent, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. We really want to make sure that this is a platform that works well for cities and for our public officials, but also for the constituents in which they serve. Well, it seems one of the um, consistent critiques of, of short-term rentals is this notion of, of absentee landlords, uh, you know, and we've heard some anecdotal stories here in Detroit about, you know, so-called party houses and things along those lines. Has, has that been fairly consistent in the cities uh, that you've been dealing with? Well, it, it really depends, right? I think you have to say that party houses aren't exactly what we are looking for. That's not the brand we're hoping for. That's not something that we've ever tried to market or espouse. We obviously let hosts make their own rules and guidelines in terms of allowing parties or not. I believe you had a, a host on earlier that had mentioned her approach to 
party houses. But in terms of violating those rules and making things go uh, get out of hand, that's that we take that extremely seriously. I know your host mentioned that as well. That is something that our our team works diligently to and ensures that you will lose access to the platform if you're disrespectful or abusing the privilege of obviously using our platform, but encroaching on someone's home and using their space in a way that was not consistent with the host guidelines. So in terms of the party house brand, that's not something that we want to uh, market. And we really are trying to ensure that there are tools in place that our constituents and folks know that they can access. We have tools such as the neighbor tool, which people can use to say that this is something's going on next door that we don't like, make sure that it's investigated. We work with our police departments in every city to ensure that they have really clean lines of communications into our, our experience and can share knowledge and insights and information. So we take, we take it extremely seriously and hope that an ordinance doesn't come in that overstretches and is extremely onerous and kind of throws out the baby with the bathwater. Uh, well, Kelly, it certainly seems as if that concern is the impetus for the requirement, at least the proposed requirement in Detroit, that uh, you need to live on the premises of, of the place that you're using as a short-term rental. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the guest I had on last week talking about this lives between two homes, so she's yeah. right next door. She's going to be negatively impacted by that. Uh, some cities do have this requirement that you have to live in it. Uh, what makes Detroit different, and is this something that you are – not in favor of, or would you support it if the city wants to go this route? We are, the more the better that's best for Detroit. If Detroit folks have one or two homes and they want to use one of those two homes in a short-term capacity, far be it for us to stand in the way. If folks have invested in that property to rent on STR, that's fantastic, and far be it for us to stand in the way. Again, this is something that it's what's best for the people of Detroit, and if this is what is in their ability to purchase and uh, care for, maintain, and market to travelers from all over the world, far be it for us to stand in the way of that. So that uh, it doesn't sound like that. that's a square peg round hole for a policy to try to uh, you know, solve that problem, if you will. I, you know, another one of the proposed regulations would limit uh, the number of nights that uh, a short-term rental could be could be utilized. And Ninety days would be the limit here in the city of Detroit. Uh, I want to get a sense uh, from you as to nationally how often many of these people are, are typically renting out. What is like an average number of nights that somebody is renting an Airbnb? It varies. It really does. But when, especially if it's a dedicated, that would be something that someone would want to rent out quite a bit, maybe over 100 days, maybe up to 120, 200. I think your host that you had on the other day mentioned she almost does it for 300 days of the year. And that's dedicated income for her and it's folks being able to come in and see the city. So it really does vacillate. I think we want to make sure that it's not just bridging the summer months that Detroit, there's lots to offer in the fall and in the winter. There's many events that I think people from all over could benefit from and bring in some lovely economic opportunity into the city. Uh, I think that there's been uh, some home and garden shows that I mentioned that are coming in, I think, in March in 2020 that the mayor has spoken about even. I think these are great things. These are things we want to make sure that there's access to that there isn't an arbitrary cutoff date because that the high season might be June, July, August. Well, the, the city's open for business year round. 
Well, what have you noticed in the cities that do have caps? Because a number of the communities that you've already, you know, that have already passed ordinances do have caps for houses that maybe uh, are not the primary residence units. Okay, so so basically up to 90 nights a year without hosts present. Uh, have those worked in those communities or is it hindered uh, the growth of these businesses? Oh, it's certainly hindered growth. That No question about it. These caps aren't uh, we are not in favor of them in terms of it kind of stifling the uh, folks' ability to do to rent out their home. I don't know if it's achieving any other goal than just uh, slowing down industry that is useful and reasonable and works the rest of the year. Why couldn't it continue to for versus an arbitrary cap? So I'm not quite sure if that's what the public policy benefit is of that. I have yet to really hear a great explanation for it. My guest once again is Kelly Gossett. She's the regional policy director for Airbnb. We're talking about the proposed uh, short-term rental ordinance that is on the agenda in the city council here in the city of Detroit. A number of cities, uh, as I mentioned, Washington, Boston, San Francisco, Chicago, L.A., and New York all have uh, regulations on Airbnbs, and they're all a little bit different. The patchwork is different. When you look at Detroit's proposed regulations, again, that 90-day cap, uh, the uh, owner-occupancy model, and there's a- another one... Um, uh, the thousand foot rule out there. Are, are Detroit's proposed regulations harsher than you have seen proposed in other communities? Yeah, that one I, we really haven't seen. That one's a, a really tough one to understand. Uh, there's some property uh, arguments there to make to say, how would that feasibly work uh, in buildings, et cetera? It just seems very challenging and quite frankly, punitive. I mean, the the argument there, I guess, is for somebody that maybe owns a multi-unit apartment building, renting that out is short-term rentals, basically becoming a de facto hotel in some capacity. Uh, that seems to be something that they've worried about in places like New York, obviously, uh, where space is at much more of a premium than it might be here in Detroit. You know, do, do you find that different solutions work for different markets? It does. Well, at the top, I mentioned how we do try to celebrate cities and understand what their goals are, that it's not maybe a one size fits all, although that would be probably easier from a regulatory perspective for folks to understand and be able to really access the platform. But I do believe that you have a a different density situation, as you mentioned, in New York City than you do in Detroit, that 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 this thousand foot rule feels really onerous and we'd be open to tweaks much like we are to any of our objections to this ordinance that we want to say how can we thread the needle and find something where there's some common ground to our shared goals i believe the council and the folks in detroit all want a a reasonable short-term regulatory framework as do we and so how can we get there without is there room for latitude? Is there room for, uh, it doesn't have to be a, a full stop. We've never said that we don't want regulations at all, but a thousand foot rule feels very punitive, doesn't really make sense from a product enforceable rubric either. Are there other ways that we can achieve goals and add language, get creative, uh, figure out what works best for the city in a, in a short-term basis, and then we can always revisit if necessary if it's not achieving the goals that they're hoping for. Well, obviously, Airbnb has uh, seen some pretty rapid growth in, in terms of not just the number of people offering their, their homes and, and units as, as rentals, but the number of people who are actually utilizing it. It's, it's a different way of traveling. It's a different way uh, than people are used to. How much of the opposition and some of these... Uh, 
you know, some of these regulations in these cities has been fueled by uh, the hotel industry, frankly, that that maybe sees you guys as a threat. Well, um, I, I think there's been it's been well documented that that there's quite a bit of consternation on the other side and that our adversaries can be very vocal, uh, completely appreciate it. I kind of tend to believe that there's room for all and that let's all play well in the sandbox together, that we're not encroaching on them any more than they're interested in this new technology and this new consumer space as well. We've seen that too. I, I really think it's about growing the pie and adding options for the consumer and the folks in Detroit. So I think that many of these arguments might be um, more well-suited and more comfortable in our adversaries' wheelhouse, but I think if we can just kind of flush it through, get to some a much more reasonable place that the consumer is the one who's going to ultimately benefit and also the people in Detroit. Well, I, I don't necessarily want to tip your hand in terms of, uh, you know, what you're discussing right now with the city of Detroit, but do you get a sense that there is some some potential uh, changes uh, on the way for this ordinance before it goes before uh, the full council? Absolutely. We hope so. We really hope so, because I believe that the, the council wants what's best for the city, as do we. And as do, this is an emerging industry. I understand that these are complex issues that are you really are trying to solve for many things at the same time. It, we've done it before in many markets. We want to hear. We want the opportunity to have that conversation and have that dialogue and, and make some tweaks. We're not saying that we are fully opposed to this ordinance full stop. That's not us. We want to be reasonable. We want to find ways to compromise, offer solutions. Like we can have a nice audience in our meetings to say, this is, these are different ways you can get there. Hey, have you heard of our neighbor tool? I'm taking a look at this, our community disturbance policies. We have all of these things you just might not be quite aware of to fully grasp and think, please think through this because it's the folks of Detroit who are the ones who are ultimately going to be negatively impacted by this. And then you're left saying, whoa, did we, did we overcorrect here? Did we like really get ahead of our skis and, go, and do something way too onerous and stringent when it wasn't necessary? That's our goal. And I think if we can continue to have hopefully positive conversations with the council, we and the folks of Detroit make their voices heard about, you know, this is their city. This is what's best for them, that, that we don't need to have a punitive law come in place that really stifles innovation and their opportunity to home share. Well, you know, one last question for you, sure. Kelly, and this sort of went out of turn a little bit here, but I, I sort of want to get to this issue of, of taxation. Uh, Detroit is not unlike other cities in that there are a number of taxes levied on hotels and hotel guests to pay for all sorts of things, sports stadiums, uh, any number of, of things that have gone on in these communities in terms of economic development. Uh, have most of these cities, and, and this is not something that's in Detroit's, but is there any discussion going on nationwide uh, that we're seeing about changing the way uh, that taxes are applied to people staying in short-term rentals? Well, we have, uh, we don't have a very big tax agenda here, right? Like that's, it's really, again, goes back to case by case that cities uh, approach that differently. I think if the economic opportunity is a conversation that the city wants to discuss in terms of our tax nexus, we're always open to that. We really want to have an open dialogue with cities as they're approaching their tax base revenue and how they're looking at the short-term rental space and how that kind of impacts their economic engine. But we don't have that as part of this conversation currently. And if that is something that needs to be added in, we're always open to it. 
Well, and what, you know, just how difficult is it for the company to sort of navigate uh, these waters? Because again, every city's approach has been a little bit different. Yes. Uh, it seems that everybody's trying to look at best practices in other communities before coming up with their proposed ordinances. Uh, would you like to see some sort of uniformity here? Well, uh, I mean, it would make our jobs easier, but this is what we like to do. We want to go in and try to thread the needle, right? That's, that's what makes this such a, a pleasure and a privilege to work in this space. I think it, uniformity is lovely. I think it, it is also very difficult to achieve. However, we will always push for that. It's been possible in other spaces and other tech spaces too, to have sort of a omnibus piece of legislation that fits in uh, most markets. That's not been the case for the short-term rental space. Will that be? Yeah, we would love to start having those conversations, making it easier, ultimately for cities to just approach this issue. We don't want to be taking taxpayer dollars from away from core infrastructure, education, transportation, et cetera, and having those folks be put onto short-term rental work that is unnecessary, overly burdensome, and quite frankly, confusing and unnecessary for the constituents. So if we can kind of offer that suite of options to say, hey, here's off the shelf, a clean way to look at this industry. We want to help you help solve this problem. Would you listen to us? Would you be interested in that? If we could do that city by city, state by state, territory by territory, I think we'd actually all benefit from it. And we could you know, continue to grow into different, expand into different markets. Well, I mean, what what are you telling uh, operators right now? I'm sure you're getting bombarded with questions. <laughs> we are. We are. We have lovely, wonderful host community that are very interested in uh, pushing back on this ordinance and have been very vocal about it. So we kind of just continue to give them our our support and say that we're doing the best we can through our channels to have conversations. This is a great forum. And I appreciate you having me on to discuss it. And say that this is what's best for Detroit. This is in their hands to say, hey, like, please don't overstep here and get in our way of an industry that has been working well for years and we hope to continue to. Let's not take away our uh, ability to do what we like to do. And so we've been trying to just say, keep doing what you're doing, answering questions if they have them, and saying that we'll be continuing to back channel and have conversations with the council to hopefully get to a more reasonable conclusion. All right. Well, Kelly Gossett is the Regional Policy Director for Airbnb. She's been my guest on the program mm-hmm. today. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. I'll come back anytime. Kelly Gossett is the Regional Policy Director for Airbnb, has been our guest on the program today. We certainly appreciate her perspective. We are hoping to hear from City Council Member Janae Ayers about this shortly. It is her ordinance after all. I'm in negotiations with her to see if we can't get her on the air to talk a little bit about her perspective on this, what talks they're having, and whether or not she is open to any potential revisions on this project. So we'll talk about that with her in the future and keep you up to date on what is happening there. In the meantime, tomorrow, hoping hoping to have uh, some budget analysis on the program. A lot of hand-wringing over some line-item vetoes that Governor Whitmer made in this budget. Is this just a ploy to get the Republicans back to the negotiating table on the bigger budget issues, or 
Is this just the way it's going to be? Will we see things like Pure Michigan go away and some of the road funding issues and some funding for charter schools? There's a lot to dissect there. So I'm giving everybody in Lansing a couple of days to figure it out. And when they do, we'll have them on to let you know what's going on. Because again, there's a lot of chatter out there, but we want to make sure that we're accurate in why this is happening and exactly what it means for these various programs. So we hope to do that tomorrow. And don't forget, on Friday, the week that was is going to be on the program. Nancy Derringer and Alan Lengel and I will break down the week's news. We are looking for a couple of special guests as we speak, or at least one for the program this week as well. We always have fun bringing in some outsiders to give us their perspective on things that are happening. All right, thanks for listening today. Don't forget, you can send me an email. Show at gmail.com is the easiest way to find me, but you can always send me messages on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Snapchat, whatever. Instagram even, I'm sometimes there. I know I'm supposed to be there all the time, but I just, I, I'm just not feeling it. I don't use my camera enough. I'm, a, I'm an audio guy. What can you say? All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll chat again tomorrow. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.